Lucy Harwood. Um, so I've done a little bit of digging around and I've discovered. Ricky Grove. Fog comes in on little cat feet. <laughs> Phil Rice. This is the best film that I've seen all year and maybe ever. Damien Valentine. Use the machinima, Luke. Welcome to And Now for Something Completely Machinima, the podcast about machinima, virtual production, and other related technologies. I'm Phil Rice, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ricky Grove. Yo! Tracy Harwood. Hello! And Damien Valentine. Hello there. Damien has our pick for this week, which is one from Elite Dangerous, or actually, specifically, I think it's from the add-on Elite Dangerous Odyssey, or or maybe it's just titled that way. Um, Damien, tell us about it. Um, yeah, so I was thinking about last month's picks, where I picked a Elite Dangerous film that was kind of uh, showing off different planets and things, but there was no real story to it. And then I got thinking, has anyone made any Elite Dangerous Machinima that is a it's a story rather than just showing off things they found in the game? And I came across this, and it's kind of a the main character is this explorer on this spaceship and he's kind of doing a sort of captain's log kind of thing talking about um, things he's found and he's never seen a Thargoid and in the game Thargoids are this race of aliens that are very mysterious um, and they're very aggressive and there's kind of lots of in-world lore about what they could be and people guessing and then the the uh, um, sort of the player community also joins in because the game doesn't say much about them. They're very mysterious. There's no real way to communicate with them. Um, and they kind of make these, re- they've got these really weird looking ships and strange things happen if you get near them and all this kind of stuff. So the, the players have built up their own lore and they have their own um, things that they talk about uh, with it. So this character, he wants to go and see one because he doesn't believe they exist because they're kind of got this mythological um, element to them. And so he sets out on this journey and his only companion is the ship's computer. Uh, and the entire dialogue throughout the film is him and the computer talking about uh, things. And at one point in the middle, the computer seems to be aware that she is in a video game because she's talking about the procedural world that's um, that's in it. Uh, and of course, that's how the game is made. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, Funny. Yeah, and I like that and it's kind of got a <clears throat> hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy kind of humor and in the credits they actually uh, reference douglas adams as the credit as part of the inspiration um and then he, he sets off and he lands on this planet where the, the thargoids are known to exist and he finds some evidence of them and then he goes off to another place on the same planet and he has a an actual encounter which is the kind of encounter with the thargoids you can have at, um with uh with them and in the game uh one of the the friendlier ones which is should i say because uh, uh they're really aggressive if you catch them in the the wrong mood <laughs> um so yeah that's what i found and just as a little this is episode one there's a second episode it's a completely different story same characters same pilot and ship and some other people in it uh, but there's a second video as well which i watched and that's also good but i kind of like this one better because it's its own self-contained uh adventure so what do you guys think well i enjoyed this uh yeah no i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and uh go um yeah i i enjoyed the uh this the the story uh 
the film was a little bit long, um, but I, I, I'm wrestling with how much of that is my modern corrupted attention span and how much of it is that it just is inherently a little too long. Uh, but um, it's coherent. It's easy to follow. Um, I, I found myself focusing a little bit more on production elements than that story. The story was a comfortable one that I didn't have. It didn't really take any effort to follow. And that's a sign of decent storytelling. But some of the production elements that, that were interesting to me was, first of all, it's all AI generated voice. And that's pretty apparent uh, for a couple of reasons. One, just AI generated voice isn't quite there yet, but also the voice that he chose for the captain is a very familiar one. Now I can't name it, but I've heard it a million times. It's like one of the standard uh, uh, simulated voices that that are heard. That distracted me just a little bit. I tried to not let it overwhelm my experience of the film, but that 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 was on my mind a bit. And uh, I don't know. I I I guess I found myself wondering. Why why do that for the captain in particular for the for the ship's computer, an AI voice makes complete sense. You know, have it be the best AI voice you can find because then it sounds like an advanced computer. But the fact that it was uh, for the captain as well, there were points where the AI voice just couldn't pull off the emotional tone that was needed for a line. Um, to his credit these subtitles are not auto-generated. I had subtitles on when I happened to watch it. They're not auto-generated subtitles. Somebody went through that with a fine-tooth comb and they're perfectly formatted. They're, the punctuation and everything is just great. That's a nice attention to detail. And uh, so I, I guess I would have I would have been intrigued to see this same story told with a, with a human voice actor for the male. Um, now, Something that was interesting was uh, the lip sync, which there there was none, but there also wasn't any point where the fa the camera was on the character when he's speaking, and he his lips don't move. So, and yet there was a lot of spoken dialogue in this movie. That's very interesting to me. Like that we've talked in the past about, you know, cutting around the weak weak areas of of your engine. I don't know what the capabilities are in Elite Dangerous, but I imagine that that player controlled lip sync is not one of them. That would be very unusual. So you're either going to have a Sims lip sync, which is it's not really saying what you're saying, but you hope no one notices. I used that same thing in my Obit film, uh, you know, to. I, that's why I didn't focus too much on the mouths because it's, it's just, it doesn't line up. He didn't do that. Uh, and yet I never felt like the dialogue was out of place. He was very, I feel like deliberate in his shot choice to just not hover around the, the front of the guy's face when he's speaking. Wonderful choice there. Um, I, I think that, that that was a potential additional distraction for this film that he that the filmmaker deftly avoided uh, with that choice. So um, I definitely saw the Douglas Adams influence um, before I even saw it in the credits. Uh, the, the overall feel of the story and the relationship 
uh, between him and this computer. Yeah. It's like something lifted right out of one of Adam's novels and one and well done. Like it, it had that sense and yet it didn't feel ripped off from that at all. Um, which is good. That's a good balance to have when you're kind of paying homage in that way. Uh, there was one little line right near the end where the computer says, I think there's a restaurant at the end of the universe, which is of course a direct Douglas Adams reference. Um, and I thought that was nice, you know, that, that, okay, throw that in. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't do that throughout. You know, we didn't have Zaphod Beeblebrox show up with two heads or something. So that's good. So, um, you know, overall, uh, I found it enjoyable. It's, it's, it's not the strongest film that I've seen in a while, but uh, it, it was tolerable. And I made it all the way to the end, even though as it was going, I was thinking this is stretching a bit. So um, what did you guys think? Yeah. Shall I go next? This, you know, the, the commander 42 <laughs> was the big giveaway on. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, when I got into this, it started off as kind of like an interesting explainer of a, what I was expecting to be a documentary um, or a day in the life of this commander 42. But the first thing that kind of attracted my attention beyond beyond the actual words was that voice why do that that was kind of going through my head and I and I couldn't get that out of my head as I was listening to this I started you know I, I, I was kind of torn between what was being said and how it was being said because it was it was um you know as you said clearly an automated voice generator that had been used here and it was incredibly boringly monotone and that kind of ran throughout the film well I think it did because I think towards the end it did feel a little bit more advanced and more human-like and I don't know whether that was kind of deliberate or not I suspect it was deliberate um, because after the first few minutes of listening to that guy's voice you started to hear that um, female voice and that had a lot more intonation to it. It it it's uh well it it, it felt much more naturalistic, and yet that was the computer. <laughs> um, and, I, and and so that's kind of that kind of interplay was the thing that kind of attracted my, you know, that's what kept me going through it. And it it basically, um, it just, that that female voice just did not sound automated in any way. I don't think it was. Um, so that confusion was what drove me through it. Um, and then I became, I think, quite interested in the banter between these two actors because they were basically inversely discussing random everyday things in this, it's, well, you know, as the, the, the female voice was saying, it's evidently virtual space exploration in this procedurally generated world, which the male character just didn't respond to when when you know when she was sort of saying that I thought it was really funny and then there was these really droll lines um you know the the one where um he basically says oh that's a dark little bee of a planet <laughs> I mean I thought that was there was just such dry droll monotone kind of wit when they were talking about those Thargoid barnacles and overall I think I was not sure what to make of that automated voice of the commander. Um, 
but I concluded it was deliberate. Uh, and I was left wondering then, well, if it had been a human voice, how would that have made it different? How would it have been different? Um, and then that kind of led me to thinking, well, who is this commander? And 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 what is, you know, what is this um, really about? This kind of had this sort of, um, you know, it's sort of set in this sort of strange universe. And, and clearly this universe has had an impact on him to make him so monotone. That was kind of how I was thinking about it. And then I read the description for the film and it basically said that the film is um, a story where, you know, the, the, there is an attempt to rekindle a passion for exploration by this burned out commander. Um, so I kind of concluded that it was either a very cleverly done uh, acting piece or a ham-fisted choice in the way that it was executed um but i suspect not the latter actually uh, and the and the way that i i kind of thought about it was that, you know the sound design is just too interesting it's a you know it's a combination of these tech bleeps the ship noises these kind of strange effects and these voices um and it was that combination of sound design i thought that really just carried it through for me because I agree, Phil, it was in places quite slow. Um, and then I was thinking about it, you know, after I'd sort of sat and, and amazingly, I watched the the whole of it and I'd still got to the end and I was still thinking about what it was about. And then I suddenly remembered um, something that I had seen years ago. I think it was a 1970s, really bad sci-fi series which i'm sure you all remember it was called space 1999 by oh Jack yeah Anderson. do you remember that oh yeah and i had this kind of really vague feeling that this was what it was reminiscent of you know basically in that series you know anybody that touched the scenery and it, it just wobbled and moved and the actors <laughs> were so you know it, it was just totally unbelievable in the way that these guys were were behaving um and it was kind of riffing off, I thought, the original Star Trek mixed up with some kind of Joe 90 or Thunderbirds feel to it without actually achieving any of it, really. And from that perspective, when you kind of when I kind of applied that lens to this film, I kind of thought that what you saw here was was very deliberate. Um, and from that point of view alone, it's definitely worth sticking with it because I don't think we'll ever see the like of Space 1999 or for that matter, Red Dwarf, which was, you know, equally um, plastic in the way that it was created. I don't think we'll ever see the like of that sort of thing again. So overall, I concluded it was a really interesting pick and definitely worth watching for a whole bunch of reasons. And it's worth getting through the voices side of it, I think. So thank you for that. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I tend to lean towards a ham-fisted choice that mm. you option that you were mm. uh, talking about. Um, it, this is the kind of machinima film in which I believe the creator wanted to have fun and wanted to put some work into it, but not that much work so that it became tedious. And so they just did the things that were easiest to do 
uh, because they they like the story themselves. They were pleasing themselves. Whereas had they taken a little extra time to think through some of the choices that they made, it wouldn't have been that much extra work to find an, a live actor to play the the captain. Um, because the especially especially since there's no lip sync concerns, uh, you know, it's it really is just placing the dialogue on his timeline in his editor exactly. where it needs to be. He doesn't have to worry about lining up lips or doing yeah. any of that. So yeah, that's a great point. There are any number of sources for voice actors to do this. And the problem with using the uh, artificial voices, and I agree the Indian um, uh, accented AI was, was great. She, she had, she had better timing than the original guy. The problem is, is when you have writing that has a little irony in it or droll wit or uh, humor, different types of humor, it requires a human to be able to get the timing right on it because a artificial actor will just do the same rhythm for every type of line. Now, they vary the rhythm. But the varied rhythm is all based on an algorithm, whereas a live actor would be able to say, oh, this is a funny bit. I need to say it quickly and dryly. A good actor would pick that out. So it would be able to bring out the humor and the wit. By having an artificial voice, you kill it, essentially, <laughs> because there's nothing worse than a comedian who gets the timing wrong on stage with a humorous quip now imagine that's in the case of a of a, a story a, a visual story that you're watching in which there really isn't a lot of visual to distract you from the dialogue so you're focused on the dialogue so it hurts it quite a bit it uh, and then uh, as you pointed out phil the additional the 18 minute length made it hard to 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 sit through um, in movies like Dark Star, the uh, uh, John Carpenter, which I think this stands on the shoulder of, that sort of absurd, commonplace dialogue where people are talking about, well, my socks and why did you put my water bottle kind of thing? Or, oh, do you notice there's some stars out there? Gee, did we, have we been moving? That, that sort of wit. Um, that movie set it up and this guy has been influenced by by that movie and probably many others that tried to copy that but with a little bit of extra effort he could have made all the difference in making this a watchable film and an unwatchable film um i'm surprised that uh, you were able to get through it you guys because that uncanny valley aspect of the voice was just such a killer i couldn't take it anymore about halfway through even though i know that the it had interesting visuals you're right about the sound effects there's some interesting sound effects but there could have been more there could have been more music in order to emphasize the emotion of a particular scene cut the the length in half get a voice actor and you've got a much better film uh, but I was glad that you chose it because it gave us an opportunity to look at the the film made in Elite Dangerous and to think about using artificial voices. It's a quick and easy choice. I can see why he made it. But I would urge filmmakers to steer away from it 
um, the opportunity to get a live actor who can understand how rhythm works in real speech is uh, invaluable. Uh, but that's it. That's what I had to say. Um, if you're not I'll, sure, if you're, I'll just say this real quick and then hand it over to you, Damien. But when, if you're not sure where to find uh, voice actors, because, uh, you know, a lot of people assume, and it's, it's not a flawed assumption that good voice actors are going to expect to be compensated. And most of us are not, you know, do not have a budget for that when we're making machinima. <clears throat> it was about a month ago. There's someone in the voice acting community on Twitter just posted an open call and said, hey, I'm putting together a list of people who are who have the skills and the, and the tools to do voice acting and are willing to work for independent productions for free. And I thought he was going to get tarred and feathered because a lot of the voice acting community that is active on Twitter, they're they're professionals and they do it for a living and they're paid for it. He got 130. He basically just asked, if you're interested, post a comment with your demo reel on as as a you know as a response to this. He got 130 responses in about a day. That's just one person on Twitter who just asked. Twitter, hey, are there you know voice actors out there? And, and so it is totally possible. Ben Tuttle, who, who a friend of the show, uh, does a lot of work in Unreal Engine and iClone, and uh, he recently did casting for uh, a short film that he's working on, and he had no difficulty finding uh, very good talent who was willing to to just do it because for the, for love of the craft and to be a part of something interesting. So there are definitely people out there. Um, and just because you don't know any of them doesn't mean they're not there and not willing to to contribute. Um, so yeah, just something to keep in mind. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of you commented on the, the sound effects and uh, a lot of the sound came from the game itself. Elite Dangerous has an excellent soundscape. And at the end of the film, when the Thargoids show up and the, there's this weird kind of alienish sounds, that's all from the game, and it. No one really knows under understands what those sounds mean because the game keeps them very mysterious, and those kind of sounds that they are in this video adds to that element. And it, and the first time I encountered Thargoids in the game is when they just started showing up, and they hadn't started being aggressive yet. What would happen is if you were flying through this, a very small region of space where the Thargoids were known to to be. They would drag you out of hyperspace. Your ship would shut down, so you could do nothing at all. Like you couldn't even move the joystick to turn around, and this ship would come at you as a big flower petal thing with tentacles coming out of it, and it would scan you. Or at least that's what people were assuming it was doing, and it would make these weird sounds, and it was terrifying um, because you don't, you can't do anything. Your ship is completely right, dead right. in space. Yeah, uh, and then it, it would. The scan would stop, it would fly away, and then uh, as it got quite distant, your ship would start coming back to life, and then the ship would disappear off into hyperspace itself. <laughs> How then, weird. Yeah, and then so the next phase of it, sometimes the Thargoid would randomly attack the disabled ship, and when it did, you couldn't do anything because your ship was shut down, and of right. course, things have progressed since then, but that's, that's how the Thargoids 
appearing. And one of the things that people praised was the sound design from the game because it really sold the idea that this is an alien thing that is so different from any of the human um, ships or settlements or any other human elements in the game. And uh, I just wanted to make praise that, that the game developers for it. And of course, this filmmaker is right to use those same sounds in his film because it's sure. Yeah, it makes sense that way. And... The pro- the problem, however, using only in-game sound is you can't mix it. And you need to have sounds that are mixed. It's mixed for the game. It's not yeah. mixed for the film. And so you have to make sure that certain sounds are more forward in the oral scape. Yeah. And other sounds are in the back. And since they're in the game, they're not mixed properly. Yeah, it's all flat. Uh, what, yeah, what I would suggest is that you use in-game sounds, but also find ways of either getting the sound, original sounds from the game and then mixing them or using additional sounds to fix it or additional music to add presence and vibrance in a 360-degree sphere. Yeah. Just as a sound editor, I'm sure you felt felt nodding his head. He knows what I'm talking about. But that... That's another thing that makes the difference between just a flat, um, a flat sound versus a more live one where things are ahead of you. Just how we experience it in life, a, a, something that's close is going to be louder than something that's further away. So you want to mix it in such a way that it fits your intention for the story that you're telling. Makes sense. As well as, uh, you know, tasteful use of some reverb. On yeah. The- on the voiceovers, for example, they're all very, as far as I could tell, they're pretty dry throughout this whole film. Yeah. You give a little bit of reverb, it gives a sense of the room that they're standing in. So for the voiceovers that are not his thoughts, which some of them are, some of them are captain's log type, you know, we're hearing him think. When he's in a space in, in the cockpit or in, in the hull or outside, it's going to sound different. And uh, yeah, but that, that's that's... It's advanced stuff, but it's also not terribly difficult to learn that. You know, it it's does just pretty basic. It's yeah. pretty simple. Yeah, simple it's surprisingly concepts. easy to to get a good result. Yeah, and every single audio editor, every single video editor will have an effect that is reverb that's adjustable. So, bingo, you can do that. One last thing I'll mention here, if if this film uh, or the, you know, the scenery you're seeing in this has gotten anybody interested in it as either as a game or as a possible Machinima platform, keep an eye out on Steam. Uh, they run specials on games from time to time that are really drastic. The one that I'm going to tell you about now is already going to be expired by the time you hear this episode, but they do these regularly and I expect there will be more specials for Elite Dangerous, uh, No Man's Sky, because Starfield. Yeah. It's the way to be competitive, to get more players to come in. If you know, Starfield right now is the new hit on the block, so it's 70 bucks, right? Right now, you could go get Elite Dangerous for $7.50. Wow. You could get Elite Dangerous Odyssey for $14. So... Keep an eye out for that. It's 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 one of those things that if if you don't if you don't if you're not logging into Steam regularly, you're not seeing this. Or when you when you open Steam and it brings up that panel that you have to flip through of your you know stuff, look out for those or follow a game on Steam and they'll notify you when it goes on special. 
Um, there's some amazing deals. I picked up No Man's Sky for like 29 bucks, I think, and it's normally about a $60 game. Yeah. I think that special was done because they knew Starfield was coming. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and they'll continue to probably. do so. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of No Man's Sky people. Oh, their planets aren't as big as our planet, and it's like, so take advantage of that competition. You can you can have some really nice deals. I'll say for the Elite Dangerous that those that's that price you just said, that's it gets reduced to that level every big Steam sale. So you know, the the Steam Winter Sale, this which is obviously coming up soon. There'll be a there's an autumn sale that's probably that's going to come up even sooner or the summer sale which obviously we just missed at this point but you know sure. any big steam sale that's the price for elite dangerous so they may even reduce it a bit more because of starfield the next time sure yeah speaking of which weren't you going to tell us about something that you just got yes uh, it's a bit of breaking news about starfield um uh someone sent this to me just now as we were recording um it's a mod that they thought would interest me. And what it does is it replaces on one planet, all the security agents with stormtroopers from star Wars. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. um, I don't know if I'm going to install that myself because I like the the star field world as it is, but I appreciate the thought that someone thought it's a star Wars mod already. It's very witty. Yeah. But if someone has put a stormtrooper into Starfield's, about was it two weeks since release without the mod tools what else can people do uh what we're going to see before the mod tools are released so that's what i wanted to bring up because mm-hmm. we've already got stormtroopers in there i'm sure there'll be other star wars stuff I mean, there'll be star trek stuff and all kinds of other stuff being added very quickly well it's funny you should mention that because i actually caught word of uh a mod for starfield this week <laughs> <laughs> dead I can't do a straight Phil. face, but uh, yeah, basically, uh, it's it's an update to the shaders on the uh, on the posterior region of the main female character in the game to make it look more shapely. But I think your mod is probably more interesting, the stormtroopers thing. But uh, yeah, there, there's a mod for that. There's a mod for that, and and it's improved something behind something. Well, I think it really yeah. depends on what your interests are. If you're more stormtroopers, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Or... Yeah, yeah, thanks for pointing that out. I think that sums it up nicely <laughs> between you. Ben. Wasn't enough that last week. I wasn't enough that last week. I lurked at a Sims Four uh, convention with a lot of love scenes. I might add, and now, yeah, I'm I'm scoping out mods to. Uh... Thanks for joining us. <laughs> uh, it's been a it's been a, a pleasure and not at all embarrassing. And uh, we look forward to visiting with you next week. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye bye.